This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, the war in Ukraine, or what Vladimir Putin calls his special military operation, continues. And this week, the Chinese leader, President Xi Jinping, spent three days in Moscow, clearly aligning himself beside Putin. And in the course of their conversations, we didn't learn about the behind-closed-doors conversations, but we did learn there was an interesting comment from President Xi that the winds were blowing east and west. They were blowing in favour of the authoritarian states and that they would prevail. This, of course, is a reference not just to Russia, but also to Iran, to Saudi Arabia, and perhaps India, countries that don't basically subscribe to our Western democracies and our way of life. And it was interesting for many reasons, but one of them is the possibility that the next American president, who will be voted into office next year in 2024, may not share the view of the Biden administration and may not be as effective a leader of the Western Alliance as Joe Biden has been. And we're joined now by Niall Stanich, who is our guest every week from Washington, where he is associate editor of The Hill, a very good newspaper, and also White House columnist for The Hill. It's a pleasure to have Niall on always. Niall, the background I gave there, rather windy and long introduction, is done to sort of make the point. I read something that the Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, who is expected to be Trump's main rival for the Republican nomination and probably to be the winner or possibly to be the winner, he said recently, effectively, that this business in Ukraine, between Ukraine and Russia, was a territorial dispute. It had nothing to do with America's interests. And... That would ring alarm bells in anybody's head in Europe. And of course, Donald Trump also was on the road to isolationism. And many of us, when we think about what's happening in Ukraine now, 
feel very happy and relieved that Donald Trump is not the president. The question I want to ask you first, Niall, is about your perception of Biden's performance in galvanizing NATO, the European Union, and visiting Kiev, and also supplying a lot of money, a lot of arms, and in a sense leading a Western alliance that Putin and Xi may have thought was weak and divided. I think being as objective as possible, Biden has clearly done well as a diplomat or as a statesman in that respect. It's pretty clear that he has been able to galvanize that coalition and to hold it together. It seems that what Vladimir Putin was anticipating was that even if there were early unity against his invasion of Ukraine, that that unity would crumble. It hasn't done. Uh, Biden has maintained uh, the unity of the West and a very high cadence of support from the United States for the Ukrainians and has cast the conflict as a, a really crucial one. Now, the other side of that is within the United States, what had been quite a high level of bipartisan support has certainly begun to erode. The comments that you mentioned from Ron DeSantis are maybe the clearest example of that where he described it as a territorial dispute and said that America had no vital interests at stake in the war in Ukraine. That means, uh, apart from anything else, that the two uh, likely contenders, likely leading contenders for the Republican nomination will both be in a sort of quasi-isolationist or semi-isolationist yes. position. Of course, uh, Donald Trump is already a, an official candidate. Ron DeSantis expected to become one quite soon, but both singing from quite a similar hymn sheet when it comes to the war in Ukraine. Yes, and as you say, it's a, a semi-isolationist, not fully. However, what is really interesting, and we, I'm sure our listeners I certainly would be interested to know, is who reflects best the mood of the American people? Joe Biden or the two Republicans most likely to contest the race in 2024 for the White House, of course? The challenge in answering a question like that, which is, of course, a very good question, is the extent to which we can talk about the American people as a as a useful phrase, because right. so much has begun to break down yes. along partisan lines. So Democrats are broadly supportive of, uh, well, certainly of Ukraine in its fight against Russia and of American involvement to help the Ukrainians. Republicans are much more split. There, If you look at opinion polling, for example, there has been a very clear precipitous rise in the number of Republicans who are skeptical of the amount of aid the United States is giving to Ukraine, is uh, are skeptical of how the war might end. And so that early bipartisanship is beginning to break down. Now, we don't want to uh, oversimplify that picture in that, for example, when DeSantis made those remarks, sort of uh, belittling the conflict as a territorial dispute, he did get criticized by some Republicans. Uh, Marco Rubio, a senator from Florida, for example, was critical of him. So, you do have the remnants of the old-style Republican Party, which was um, hawkish on matters of defense and national security, 
versus the DeSantis Trump wing, which is more more isolationist at least. And when you're looking ahead to 2024, you're looking at uh, Trump and likely DeSantis leading the field. And that's what I think uh, causes such concern among proponents of support for Ukraine. Is it likely, do you think, Niall, that the conflict in Ukraine, if it is still active, and in the light of what President Xi had to say, and obviously with Putin's consent, about the world changing and the wind blowing in favour, not of the West, but of the West's Mm. enemies. This indicates, for one thing, that this is a long-term view which China is taking. It will, of course, it, it, it matters for the Taiwanese people, for example. And is it likely that that in itself could be one of the major issues in an American presidential election? Or is that foolish to believe that? It's not foolish to believe it. It is one of the big issues in, I would say, uh, American political discussion, but at maybe a somewhat, uh, I don't normally like the word elite level, but at, at, at the, the sort of Washington set. That would be a very genuine and germane yes. issue. And Biden himself has spoken a number of times about the idea that he feels one of the defining issues of his time as president is his desire to prove that democracies work. Uh, You know, the the kind of view that you have rightly ascribed to uh, President Xi, for example, is really about the Chinese view that democracies are fading because they get into log jams, there isn't enough consensus, there's there's too much division. Yeah, Yeah, right. And and the 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 idea then is they become ineffective, democracies become ineffective at rising to the challenges that face them. That is something that Biden's trying to push back against uh, with limited with limited success. Now when it comes to the presidential election I think it gets into more, it tends to be fought on more uh, populist uh, grounds in the sense of is Biden weak enough or it's too weak or too strong with China, as well as, of course, all the domestic concerns. It's, it's the, the economy election. stupid. I think that exactly. was Bill Clinton's exactly. uh, way of reducing it to its essentials. Just to move on to Trump, he has had troubles recently documents in Mar-a-Lago, the feds are after him for that. There's a case in New York involving Stormy Daniels, who is a woman who was a star in the porn industry, who he allegedly paid $130,000 hush money through his former solicitor, Michael Cohen. Cohen served three years in prison, actually, for something to do with Trump. But now this case has been taken up by the Attorney General in New York, and there is, Trump announced last weekend, that he expected to be indicted last Tuesday. Now, we are talking on Thursday morning. He hasn't been indicted yet, but the police are on alert for trouble, and it seemed that 
Trump was inviting people to come and cause trouble as a way of defending him. Yeah, I mean, he certainly he called for protests were he to be indicted. And this is a, a huge story. Um, it will become an even bigger one if the grand jury does indict uh, Trump. In other words, uh, say that he has to face charges because in that situation, I mean, uh, presumably he will surrender himself to authorities, but he would still need to be fingerprinted and photographed. And yes. those photographs are likely to be become public and that'll be, uh, you know, an enormous deal. He, of course, is casting this prosecution by the district attorney in Manhattan, Alvin Bragg, who's a Democrat, as a uh, political uh, witch hunt. I, I would say, Eamon, and I, I don't know how much you want to get into the detail of this case, but you know, anybody who uh, listens to this podcast regularly would, would certainly know we're not in the business of uh, carrying water for uh, the Donald. No. But in my view, this particular case against him, if it proceeds to charges, is terribly weak, I think, to yes. to pursue a former president of the United States. And uh, we'll see. I mean, maybe they have evidence that is not public yet, but it is a rather thin uh, case on which to hang what yes. would be, by its very nature, a historic prosecution. Yes, and it may happen later on today, so it may overtake this podcast. And that's an interesting view that you've expressed there now, because some of the other troubles he has most certainly are serious. Absolutely. And the one that Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, is pursuing about the secret document, top secret documents that Trump had in Mar-a-Lago, which is where he lives, and that he took from the White House, that he repeatedly lied about in terms of saying he'd given them all up. And in the end, the FBI famously last summer had to raid Mar-a-Lago to get more and found more, but they didn't find them all. This surely is a more serious matter, although I understand Merrick Garland has been subject to some criticism for not being rigorous enough in his pursuit of Trump. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. He's certainly been criticised from people of a you know more more liberal or, or left wing or anti Trump position. Merrick Garland temperamentally is a very uh, I mean, although he is ideologically left leaning, he he's temperamentally you know conservative with a small C, very yes. much by the book and and a rather sort of um, vanilla kind of kind of character. And honestly, he, he, we should say for their audience who don't know. He was the man that Barack Obama, when he was president, sought to appoint to the Supreme Court mm-hmm. in the February, that's 10 months before Obama left office, but the Republicans blocked it all the way mm-hmm. and he never got appointed. That's worth noting, isn't it? It is, as is the fact that Republicans at that time justified it on the basis that an outgoing president shouldn't be able to do that and then completely reversed yes. themselves in the final months of the Trump um, presidency. When he nominated Amy Coney Barrett, a very conservative yes. woman, uh, to the Supreme Court, and, and she was successfully confirmed um, to the court. But just to briefly sort of circle back to your point about the Mar-a-Lago investigation, Eamon, um, we, without going through every chapter and verse of that, that on its face seems to me A, more serious, and B, a much better founded case against Trump. Because as you've already alluded to, it seems quite blatant 
that not only did he keep possession of these documents, but that he or someone very close to him lied during the process by which the authorities were seeking to to take possession of those documents. The Trump side, in essence, saying, we've given you everything when they very clearly had not. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now, there's another court case, again, very serious, one would have thought. It involves Fox News and Rupert Murdoch, and it is about the behaviour of Fox News on the question of, first of all, the election results, secondly, January the 6th and their reporting of January the 6th. And Rupert Murdoch is, in fact, well, you can tell us the details, but Fox News are in the dock. Mm. and They are being sued by a company that makes election machines, Dominion. Correct. And they're being sued for libel. For $1.6 billion is the defamation suit that Dominion are pursuing, and pursuing with vigor and with apparent success, because Murdoch has had to make some, and his people, have had to make some extraordinary concessions in terms of what they were doing to push this crazy stolen election agenda. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it, this is a really fascinating case, not least because, <clears throat> as as you would know and many of our listeners will know, it's a lot more difficult to win a defamation case in the United States than it is in yes. Ireland or Britain. Not least because you generally have to, uh, as a plaintiff, 
prove, and the phrase is, actual malice on the part of a, a of a journalist, a print journalist or a broadcaster, in making false claims. The fascinating thing about this case that Dominion has taken against Fox is that in seeking to prove that actual malice, they have got through disclosure lots of emails and texts that Fox executives and sometimes Fox personalities sent among themselves. And in many cases, those appear to be quite clear that uh, Fox was pushing on air things that producers or so-called talent knew to be untrue. And, and people were being put on Fox as representatives of Trump, who people behind the scenes felt were crazy. But it was being done seemingly, I mean, of course, Fox would deny this, but it was seemingly being done to shore up the ratings by telling the Fox audience what it wanted to know, yeah. rather than by doing anything that would pass as for journalism, as most people understand it. Yes, and there's evidence, and Rupert Murdoch has testified to this effect, there's evidence that Fox discovered when they laid off that story of a stolen election and Trump having been brought down by stealth, mm. people were leaving the network. And, and Rupert mm. Murdoch has testified to this effect and effectively said, we did it for money, we did it for audiences. And he has said this in his deposition to the court, and he says, and I quote, that Fox News hosts endorsed the lie of a stolen election. And it's extraordinary. These people, Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, Laura Ingraham, mm. these are all big Fox stars. But it was, it was a ratings war, and, and mm. they threw in as bait the idea that the American election had been stolen. Mm. Yeah, I mean, in one instance, uh, Tucker Carlson, who's perhaps the single most pro-Trump um, commentator on air, was uh, caught through this disclosure process saying of Trump privately, I hate him passionately, while given giving the completely opposite impression yes. by anyone who tuned in to his show. There was another instance where Sean Hannity, who you mentioned there, had seen on the Fox airwaves one of the legitimate reporters for Fox, and they do have legitimate reporters, we've always yes. tried to point that out here, a legitimate uh, journalist at Fox on air had fact-checked some of the wilder claims coming from the Trump side and pointed out that they were false, to which Hannity reacted uh, privately with fury and was uh, messaging people as talking about how this female reporter who had fact-checked these crazy claims had done and this is the, quote, irreparable harm to the brand, yes. uh, to the brand of Fox News, that is, really uh, showing no apparent regard for the truth of anything very much, but rather the uh, paramount importance or paramount interest in shoring up the audience and making sure that those viewers did not flee from Fox, as they were doing at the time, to even more uh, right-wing networks, uh, One American News and uh, Newsmax being the obvious examples. So uh, a really fascinating case in the way it has uh, shone a spotlight into the inner workings of Fox News and the broader workings of uh, some of the conservative media in America. Yes, and uh, I mean, not only were they damaging, if you like, the American democratic tradition. They mm. were also seriously damaging Dominion, the company who they mm. were arguing had rigged 
the 2020 election by manipulating vote tallies. And it looks from the reporting that Fox News will lose. But what I suppose is more serious is what you referred to a moment ago, Niall, which is the idea that in order to make money effectively, Mm. Fox would be prepared to lie to its audience on that scale for that amount of time, like every day, all the time. Mm, mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that it, it clearly uh, is uh, has been a very damaging lawsuit to Fox News, irrespective of what the result is. Now, you're right, and most legal experts think that this is as good a case as you would get in the United States for a company claiming defamation. As I say, that is normally a difficult case to make uh, because of the protection supported by the First Amendment and all of that. But it is something that has... Um, I think that the, the central point is that it has um, exposed in a, in a very clear-cut way the idea that it is not just that Fox is a conservative or right-leaning or even Trump-supporting network. It's the idea that they are knowingly deceiving an yes. audience to keep that audience's attention and loyalty. And I think that's where the reputational damage is at its most severe. Now, here's arguably where it gets very serious. Mm. When people start campaigning in 2024, and that won't be long now before the primaries begin and all of that, Mm. this nation, the most powerful nation in the world, the sort of... I won't say the beacon for the West, but certainly the foundation of any Western defense of its values. This kind of thing is happening. It appears to be an attack on the fabric of the democracy upon which all of us depend if we're not to end up with Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin and a few other gents that I could think of in Iran and Saudi Arabia. So this is critical. We're we're at a critical moment, are we not? Tell me I'm mad. If the next American election is going to be decided by these outlets and their their money like them, we're in trouble. Mm. Yes, I think that's true. I think that's true. And I I think you actually uh, beat me to the punch, so to speak, in linking this to what we were talking about earlier with Xi Jinping and China and Russia and all of that. The the, uh, polarization in American society, of course, has lots of different causes, but it is clearly being amplified and deepened by some uh, traditional media outlets like like Fox and some uh, social media dynamics, all of that. That has sort of hollowed out the center in American life, not only in the sense of people holding different views, different opinions, but uh, people simply not accepting facts, really. And therein lies the problem because... You have to have a commonly agreed set of facts, and then you can have the ideological argument around them. If you believe that you know the election was rigged, which is still a belief held by about one-third of the population here yes. about the 2020 election, clearly that damages democracy itself. It's not only about saying, well, Joe Biden has less moral authority or it's more difficult for him to get the laws through. Those things are true, but the bigger problem is 
it means that that one third of the American population, approximately, has no faith in American democracy. That's clearly a major, major problem for the legitimacy of elections and for the whole working of the society. And arguably for the survival of the West Mm -hmm. in any future confrontation. There's just a final point I'd like to make to you, Niall, about Mitch McConnell, who was Mm -hmm. the majority leader in the Senate when the Republicans were in control of the Senate before the midterms, and Rupert Murdoch, have expressed contempt for Trump. Mitch McConnell is Mm -hmm. known to, I think, to detest him. Mm. And Murdoch, when they had to make that call on election night, I think it was about Arkansas. Arizona. Arizona, yeah. Mm -hmm. When it was put to Murdoch, should they do it and offend Trump, Murdoch said, fuck him. (laughs) 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 What he did. Not uh, exactly in those words, but anyway, go ahead. Actually, he did say it in those words. Oh, did he? Yeah, he said, do it. Well, they went, the Fox were the first, as you know, the first channel to make the call. And Mm. when they rang him up to see if it was okay, that's what he said. Mm. Now, my point is this, two very, very powerful men, Mm. Rupert Murdoch, Mitch McConnell, leader of the Senate, majority leader of the Senate, and the biggest publisher and indeed broadcast mogul in Mm. the United States, hating this fellow, but having to bend the knee quite a lot, to keep their listeners and viewers and voters happy. This yes, is what our democracy that, has become. Yeah, I think that's, that's fair. I mean, I think that the objection that McConnell and Murdoch both have to Trump is not only a sort of dislike of his bragging and, and belligerent personality, but a belief that the conservative policies or or uh, things that they would like to push and that they yes. believe in are are sort of undermined by Trump's authoritarianism and also his sort of self-defeating chaos and craziness that he always yeah. brings in his wake. The problem is that that more uh, traditional or sober-minded version of conservatism doesn't have a hold over the voters, It is tr- or the viewers for that matter, it is Trump who still has the yes. hold over the voters and the viewers, and therein is the crux of the issue. Politics as a game show. Okay, Niall, <laughs> thank you very much indeed for joining us today. That's Niall Stanich. Niall is uh, associate editor of the Hill newspaper and White House columnist for that paper. We're grateful to Niall, as always, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. Apologies for the F-bomb. But there's no other way to put it, I'm afraid. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.